0: Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that I am looking for 50 people with Hashimoto's. If you have been diagnosed in the last 10 years and you feel lost or confused about exactly what to do, then I want to invite you to join me for a free training call on Thursday, May 16th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, where I will show you how to support your thyroid for your thyroid type and your specific Hashimoto's triggers. You will also find out how to lower your thyroid antibodies and how to get to the bottom of all of your thyroid symptoms, the weight gain, the fatigue, the brain fog, the inflammation, the hair loss. Please go to inatoppler.com slash Zoom call to register, and I will send you all of the call details. I only have room for 50 people, so please be sure that you register at inatoppler.com slash Zoom call and get your spot right now. Karen. She's 31 and completely fed up with eczema, rashes, and itchy skin. It started with a few patches on her arms but then she started getting bumps on her skin, hives, and recently red swollen patches on her face right around her eyes. She was fine with dealing with it at first but once it appeared on her face she knew she had to do something about it. So she saw a dermatologist and he suggested a steroid cream Now that worked like a charm. However, The minute she stopped using it, the patches came back with a vengeance. And she really loved having clear skin, but she's read that using steroids on a daily basis, even if it's topical, is really not good for her body and can really have a lot of negative effects on her health. So she decided to stop it. Instead, she tried getting outside more and exposing her skin to the sun because that has helped eczema before, but she wasn't able to do that all the time. Plus, the sun wouldn't help the swelling or the hives that she was getting. And when she would get the hives, she would take an antihistamine, but it also made her drowsy, so she couldn't really take that every day. Then her friend told her that dairy can make skin worse, but Karen was already eliminating dairy because she was lactose intolerant, so that wasn't it for her. Now, when I met Karen and explored her diet and history, I learned that she started to eat better to be healthier about two years ago. Interestingly, around the same time that her skin started to flare up. Now, around that time, she also started feeling a bit more anxious and what seemed like for no specific reason. And while she was eating very clean and from first glance, it didn't seem like there was really much I could pick at, so to speak. I noticed that her diet was not completely balanced and higher in specific food components that may actually lead to skin issues. Thankfully, There were functional medicine tests available to explore this and I knew that we had to go down that pathway to get to the bottom of things to solve this health mystery. Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated, undermined, and lost. I know because that was me before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now. I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler, and this is Health Mystery Solved. We just heard about Karen. She's completely fed up with eczema, rashes, and the itchy skin that she's been dealing with for the last year. Joining me on the show to talk more about Karen's case is Beth Mosher. Beth is a clinical nutritionist and my associate here at our practice, Complete Nutrition and Wellness. Beth has been studying nutrition and how it relates to health and human development for almost 20 years. She strongly believes that health and wellness are achieved through an understanding that we are each biochemically unique and that our personality, lifestyle, habits, and desire for change all play integral parts in finding a personal recipe for health. Beth and I have been doing weekly brainstorming chats as we're both often presented with a lot of these hard to solve cases and we just love to figure stuff out. Beth, I'm so excited to have you. Welcome. Hi, Ina. how are you doing? Good, thanks for being here. My pleasure. Well, Beth, you have so many specialties, but one of them is looking at how foods affect our body. And many of us may be familiar with food allergies or even food sensitivities, but we can react not only to the food itself, but to the component of that food. Can you explain what that means, yeah? And how is that different than sensitivities?
1: Sure, absolutely. So uh, sensitivity often occurs because the diet is high in certain components, um, namely plant in plant foods. So there'll be certain um, components. Well, it can be also other things like glutamates or things like that. Um, But certain components in food, if we have too many of them, um, they can kind of um, backlog on us and our detoxification abilities or our abilities to get rid of them slows. And then we start to have reactions to them. And there are certain components of foods, particularly plant foods, that produce histamine reactions. So um, this is actually quite common. Mm, interesting. So
0: in Karen's case, she started having even more skin flare-ups when she changed her diet. And in her case, you know, she was um, drinking more green juice. She was eating more green. She started eating more paleo. So she was doing more protein.
1: What do all of those have in common? Well, a lot of those are very high in sulfur. And, um, you know, the paleo diet is going to be going to have your animal proteins, which is has sulfur components in it. Um, And then your leafy greens and your vegetables, um, garlic and onions are high in sulfur. And so those types of components, eating a lot of those green drinks, for instance, um, that's going to have a lot of that in there. And um, that's going to create. Um, in the body when we metabolize those sulfur components, um, we create um, substances in the process that the body can have a histamine reaction to. So oftentimes when we, when we try to get healthier, it doesn't always, it backfires a little bit on us and we have to moderate it a little bit. Part of that can be uh, from genetics, but a lot of it is lifestyle and diet.
0: Yeah, and it's true because there's so many people that change their diet because they hear whether it's on the news or, you know, on social media that, you know, we should be eating this this and this and it really goes to kind of show a lot of what we always talk about here is that we are all different, so we can't just follow what someone else is doing or what, you know, the latest sort of fad is. A Beth, what are some symptoms of reactions to sulfur and sulfites?
1: Well, sulfur is really, really important. And so I think, it's, I think it's, you know, really, I mean, we need sulfur. So, you know, when we're little, you know, our parents tell us to eat our vegetables. It's really important. We really do need to eat our vegetables. So sulfur is found in broccoli, kale, spinach, that kind of thing. And uh, a reaction to sulfur um, would be, um, well, some people react to sulfur drugs. They have reactions like hives and reactions to sulfur drugs. So, so that's one, one uh, aspect of it. But in the diet, um, when it's just so sulfur-rich, so for instance, if someone is eating eggs for breakfast, that's high in sulfur um, with vegetables. And then they could be eating a spinach salad or kale salad for lunch and then uh, with protein. And then having uh, protein and veggies at night, so that's you know pretty standard paleo diet. So reactions uh, would be because the body uh, creates sulfites uh, in the metabolism of sulfur to create sulfate, and sulfate is something that we need for detoxification. And uh, so the sulfites actually, when they build up, and cause kind of a gridlock, um, the body has a histamine reaction to those sulfites. And that's where the reaction would come from eating a high sulfur diet in this particular situation if she was having a rash.
0: Mm -hmm. And so rashes are part of the symptoms. What are some of the other symptoms when someone is having a sulfur reaction?
1: Uh, Sulfur reactions can be uh, very, very common um, to have headaches Um, sometimes people can have digestive issues, um, you know, when they eat, uh, they have, uh, digestive issues, stomach pain, that kind of thing. I've had that before, definitely. Um, but sulfites generally, um, produce histamine reactions and rashes and Mm -hmm. oftentimes rashes around the eyes are very common, um but kind of a hive type reaction. And usually what's so interesting about it is that it doesn't happen all the time because the load of sulfites in the body kind of waxes and wanes depending on if they're eating other high sulfite foods. And, uh, you know, high sulfite, sulfite, for instance, drinking wine or beer, um, that is high in sulfite. So they might see the reaction or if a shrimp is high in sulfites. So they might see the reaction occasionally, but not consistently.
0: Mm, that's really good to know. So it's almost like it builds up. And then when there's too much, the body will give you a reaction. So perhaps if maybe someone had a couple of glasses of wine and then had a green juice the next day versus maybe having the green juice
1: without having the wine beforehand,
0: right? Exactly.
1: Yeah. So if they have a lot of sulfur. So it is kind of almost a personal threshold with this pathway uh, that, you know, if they, they can learn to learn to manage it. And they, they know, you know, what, what I'll do usually with people that have this situation, well, usually, you know, itchy skin a lot of times is sulfites. Um, and, you know, sulfites are also found in fermented foods, too. So people will have to monitor that as well.
0: Mm-hmm. So you're saying it's basically a lot of the green leafy vegetables. It's a lot of the cruciferous vegetables. It's eggs and other animal protein, uh, fermented foods
1: and wine and shrimp, Right. Beer and wine and shrimp, pickled foods uh, also contain it. Tea contains it. Sulfites are found in that. Um, anything fermented or also sulfites are used to um, keep um, things from oxidizing. So, for instance, if you get guacamole, um, you know how guacamole will turn brown. Mm-hmm. If you make it, a, make a, it'll turn brown pretty quickly. So sulfites... Uh, you know, are used in, in store-bought things like that to keep it from oxidizing. And they also put sulfites too on salad bars. Oftentimes if you go somewhere and they have a salad bar sitting out, they'll spray. Um, they, it's a preservative. Mm. Sulfites is a preservative. So pickles, dried fruit, potato chips also have sulfites in them. Potato chips. That's an interesting one. Trail mix. Sulfites are found a lot in um, trail mix. And you're saying that it's pretty common to be
0: sensitive to sulfur and sulfites. And it sounds like there's just so many foods that have it, which makes sense why so many people can have these reactions.
1: I find it. It's very common. And uh, the itchy skin, sometimes people won't even have a rash, but they'll, ha- they'll have itchy skin. Uh, and they'll, you know, sometimes when they'll, they'll notice when they're going to bed, their skin will be very itchy or they'll, they'll, they won't really understand what it's from. And it will kind of, you know, come and go. It's not a big deal, but it it often will be because of of this. So, yeah, that's great to know. Mm -hmm. What are some tests that are available that can help us assess if this
0: is an issue?
1: Well, usually, if you look at the diet and you look at the symptoms, it's usually when people come to see me. That's what I do first, Um, and then we change the diet, and usually the symptoms will will go away. Um, There is testing you can do. You can look at um, you could do an organic acids test, and you can look at the sulfate pathway. Um, to see what sulfate is in the urine, you could see, you know, if that is is being metabolized well. Uh, you could do genetic testing as well. You could look at the CBS. A lot of people do uh, look at the methylation enzymes, uh, an upregulation of the CBS enzyme. Um, which which metabolizes homocysteine, pulls homocysteine down. So if someone has a change in their genetics, that will actually cause an upregulation of that enzyme and that will pull homocysteine down in that direction more. So, um, you know, that will be um, something, a test that could be done. If someone had that test done, they could look and see. Um, but our, probably organic acids is the best, but mostly symptoms, you know. Yeah. And how about
0: anxiety? Because that's something that Karen also noticed, and it's something that she had more of when she
1: changed her diet. Can you talk about how anxiety is related in this pathway? Uh, sure. Um, so when um, this um, homocysteine is pulled down into this pathway to create sulfate, um, it does increase uh, sympathetic um, the, the, uh, the autonomic nervous system. Um, the sympathetic fight or flight reaction and it raises cortisol. And, um, it's so interesting because, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, um, that they you know, the cortisol, the cortisol is raised and that will actually cause the anxiety f- sensation. Um, so, uh, you know, monitoring the diet can help with that. I know, um, I have had several, uh, clients who have had the CBS, they've been homozygous. So they've had a, a, a large upregulation of the CBS pathway and have felt a lot more anxiety that they really couldn't explain until they changed their diet. And then their anxiety uh, was reduced. Yeah, that's so it's it's
0: really interesting. I see that a lot as well. And just for everyone listening to explain that a CBS is an, one of the enzymes in the methylation pathway. And when you have a um, polymorphism in, and homozygous just means that there's two copies, which means you got it from each one of your parents. And that means that that pathway is going to be working over time. And what Beth was explaining is that when sulfites cannot go down and convert into sulfate, they back up into other byproducts like ammonia and then that's gonna lead to higher cortisol, which is our stress hormone. And a lot of times people will say, well, I actually don't really feel stressed. I don't have as much going on at work everything is kind of good at home. But what's happening is that there's this physiological reaction where their cortisol is being produced. Even if you're not stressed, it's because of
1: the food. And that's what makes it so interesting um, to explore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. But the thing is, is that people shouldn't, uh, you know, look at their diet and hear what we're saying and, and, and cut out the sulfate in their diet and cut out the sulfur vegetables in their diet because you really do need to, to produce sulfate. Okay, so there's the detoxification pathway in the body really needs sulfate um, for so many different things. It's very, very important for health. And uh, so, you know, you don't want to cut that out because that would be a big mistake okay, so you definitely want to have it. You just want to have the right amount. And it's kind of a personal threshold with people. So that's what needs to be balanced. That's such a good point because we are all very different.
0: So it's about finding what your balance is. Beth, what about supplements? If someone knows that they do have an issue with this pathway, are there any supplements that can help this metabolism of sulfur or anything that you think can help with just the overall pathway?
1: Well, um, if the body, well, first of all, the, the conversion... Of um, of this uh, cysteine to sulfate um, is done with an enzyme that uses molybdenum as a cofactor. So a tiny little bit of that can be helpful um, to convert um, that. Um, but first of all, I would change the diet. We would we would you know lower the amount of sulfur that the person was eating first because that would be the best thing to do. Now B six. Um, is the cofactor of an enzyme that's a, that's up um, up the pathway a little bit at the beginning there, um, and that if someone's taking high dose B six, that can upregulate and support that pathway even more. So it can you know that can have kind of a detrimental effect on this pathway. So um, really this pathway the best way to support it is through changing the diet, Um, creating more sulfate in the, in the, in the body system, um, can be done, um, with Epsom salts baths. So, um, with children and, 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 you know, little people that have this issue, and it's very, very common, uh, with children on the spectrum is to support them with an Epsom salts bath, because an Epsom salts bath, you're increasing the sulfate in the bloodstream as well as the magnesium and uh, sulfation is supported with magnesium and sulfate and then b6 so that so as far as supplements go there's not a lot it, this is really regulated through diet
0: okay and with the epsom salt baths how often do you recommend people do that and how much epsom salt should they use
1: uh epsom salts baths are uh actually the You know, every day would be fine. Every other day would be fine. Um, They're about a cup and a half of Epsom salts in a warm bath and soaking for about 20 minutes is what's recommended. Uh, And then you pat yourself dry. Don't, you know, it's, it's a wonderful way to increase magnesium and sulfate. And you really can't increase it too much with the Epsom salt bath. So you don't need to worry that's going to be, you know, you're going to create too much of a, a sulfate load in your body. So what you're saying, though, is by
0: removing the sulfur from your diet, you're not getting it in the bloodstream, but then the baths
1: can help to get the sulfur more in the cells? The yes, the bath will help and create better uh, detoxification. Will help uh, create the path, uh, support the PST, yeah, the pathway, and help get the toxins and things, the backlog out of the body. Yes, exactly. Um, So that will be very very helpful. Um, At the same time, lowering the diet and doing the things that we just were talking about is is really the way to go.
0: And then after a certain amount of time, is there a way to balance this pathway or would people always have to be mindful about how much sulfur and sulfates they're eating if they have an issue there?
1: Uh, I think there's, it's kind of a personal threshold. I think, you know, eating um, sulfur, most of these people can eat sulfur two to three times a day, high sulfur foods two to three times a day. Uh, and do really, really well. It's just if they're eating it constantly, uh, and taking maybe sulfur supplements. Um, there's a lot of supplements on the market like MSM and NAC and those types of things. If they're taking a lot of those types of things as well, then they're going to have more of an issue. um, because the body's just not going to get rid of it very well. Um, but um, they have to be mindful, but they can, they have a lot of freedoms because, uh, they understand what's going on. And when the symptoms start to kick up, they can, you know, lower their and intake a little bit.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. And I've had people where we look at their overall sulfur load and what they're eating, and there might be two things that are really high, like wine, for example. So if they just cut that out, then they might be okay with the other. So it's just kind of figuring out. Well,
1: it's, yeah, well, it's not so much the, um, the sulfur, but the sulfites. So what I normally do with people is that we look at what they're eating, and if they're eating something that's high in sulfites consistently, then we lose that, okay? And then, um, and then you, you want to support the sulfur pathway, and you want to eat sulfur foods, but you just don't want to go overboard because the body is creating sulfites in that pathway as well. So it's creating sulfites. And then when you eat them or, uh, you know, drink them, eat them or drink them in addition, then that's where you're going to get that histamine reaction.
0: Now, you mentioned B6 can potentially make it worse if you take high doses of it. How about other B vitamins? Because that's something common that people often do because we hear about B vitamins for energy and, you know, B complex is being good for so many different things. Can that exacerbate the pathway as well?
1: Uh, I think a B complex that's balanced isn't going to do too much to it. Uh, it just depends on the symptoms of the person and what their diet is and the rest of the things they have going on. Uh, P5P uh, is the active form of B6, and that's a little bit more, it's better tolerated in this kind of instance. Um, but B6 is probably one of the most important uh, B vitamins and cofactors in the body. So, um, you know, it's really needed. So a complex, I think, taken um, is, it would be fine in this instance for most people.
0: Okay. Yeah. So they take it all together versus just that on its own
1: in high use. Exactly. If they're taking like 100 milligrams on their own B6, then yes, that would have an impact. But if they're taking the B-complex or a, a vitamin that contains B vitamins, then no, it wouldn't.
0: Mm, right yeah and a 100 is, is a very high amount so that's not usually something that someone would take on their own unless they're instructed otherwise and and then there's some cases where people do need those higher amounts because they may be deficient or they have some other problems but then we just want people to keep in mind that if you are in a high dose B6 for what a reason it can potentially backfire in this and so just to be aware of that-. Mm-hmm. Beth, what can people eat on a low sulfur diet and specifically in terms of vegetables? Because so often people say that they eat greens and cruciferous vegetables and that's the bulk of their diet. So they sometimes feel lost as to what to eat if they are supposed to eat less of those. Sure.
1: Sure. Well, I would recommend that someone eat a uh, high sulfur food, high uh, sulfur vegetable every day, one serving at least, um, because you know sulfur is important. And as far as leafy greens go, um, uh, spinach is very, very high. Um, and kale is very, very high, but there's other types of leafy greens, so you could do a mixed green. Uh, organic mixed greens would be a little bit less rather than eating the higher sulfur ones. Um, So I would definitely recommend not eating low sulfur, just managing the sulfur a little bit, okay? Um, Because a lot of the people that come in that have this issue are eating high sulfur breakfast, lunch, and dinner you know, big salt, big spinach salad at lunch, and they're just eating a lot. Um, So it would be monitoring that a little bit. Um, But you can eat green beans or zucchini or, you know, other types of, you know, carrots, you can eat other types of things, um, other types of vegetables, uh, instead of just the high sulfur ones. And, um, you know, a lot of people that are eating, you know, healthy diet will eat eggs for breakfast, eggs are high sulfur Food, so that's absolutely fine. Um, but then, if you do that, um, you want to, um, you know, maybe eat something with it that isn't particularly high sulfur. Um, uh, so, you can do mushrooms or you could do, you know, zucchini or something like that with that. So, um, do like a saute or something in the morning. So, that would be what I would recommend. Um, but as far as protein goes, um, you can also. Um, in this type of situation, I would have people you know eat protein at their meals to, to to balance their blood sugar, but you wouldn't want to have them eating large, large portions of protein so eating a smaller portion three to four ounces of protein at lunch and dinner would be appropriate
0: great, thank you so much for that so it's really all about balance, like you're saying we don't want to stop eating all sulfur
1: all about balance yeah you don't want to cut out sulfur because sulfur is so exp- so I- important for detoxification and we absolutely need it but with these people it's not so much that they're sulfur they're, it, it, part of the contributing um, situation to this is that they're eating lots of high sulfur foods but the other contributing factor is that they have something that's high in sulfites in their diet usually so it's the beer or the wine or the fermented foods or the bone broths or something like that that they're doing a lot of, um, either you know, for fun or because they think they, it's healthy for them to do. And that's what's tipping them over the edge and causing them an issue with sulfites and with the sulfur pathway.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now you mentioned bone broth. Let's talk about that for a second, because that's definitely a big buzzword these days. And people are going to Brodo and shops like that. And of course, making their own broth as well. And yes, it has a lot of glutamine. It has obviously a lot of benefits for the gut, but like you're saying, it's high in some of these other compounds. Can you talk about
1: that a little bit? Sure. Bone broth is you know, very wonderful for a lot of things. Um, it's high in glycine. It's high in glutamine, and those are very good for uh, healing gut and uh, healing the body. Uh, And so, you know, it has benefits in that way. But uh, bone broth is also high in histamine, and it's high in glutamate, and um, it's high in sulfites. So, you know, just depending on the person and the situation, um, you know, bone broth every day is not a great idea. Maybe a couple times a week would be fine. Um, And then, you know, balancing. getting your, um, maybe taking a probiotic and doing some other things to help with the gut would be uh, what would be recommended rather than just bone broth every day.
0: Such a great point. Beth, thank you so much for all of this information and clarifying so much of this for us. I think there's a lot of misconception, a lot of confusion about these food components. And so I really appreciate you being here and sharing all of this with us. Sure, thank you so much. As we just heard, Sulfur can play a large role in the body and can have significant effects on our skin. I'll tell you more about what we did for Karen in just a second, but first, if you want to find out more about my guest and practice associate, Beth Mosher, please visit healthmysteryself.com. And as always, there you'll find all the detailed show notes so you can reference everything that Beth and I discussed. Now, back to Karen. We ran an organic acid test and among a few other things that were off, Karen had a very low level of sulfate. And as Beth explained, sulfur is needed for the body, but if it's not processing through properly, it's likely due to a blockage in that pathway and we needed to address it. In Karen's case, she was eating a ton of sulfur foods. So seeing a low level of sulfate told me that she likely had a block in the SOUX enzyme and was not processing sulfites into sulfate correctly. Sulfites are quite toxic when they build up, and if they have nowhere to go, they will back up into ammonia, another really toxic byproduct. And ammonia excess is what can trigger skin reactions. Also, what a lot of people don't realize is that when ammonia builds up and it can't get out, it can go right into cortisol, which is our stress hormone. So that explained the uptick in anxiety that Karen was feeling, even though she claimed she wasn't really that stressed. So seeing this, we had our work cut out for us. I had Karen stop her green juices and cut out high sulfide foods like dried fruit and pickles, which she ate a good amount of. I also had her cut wine. She was a bit saddened by this at first, but as her skin improved, she was absolutely okay with it. I also put her on three charcoal pills before bed as charcoal acts like a sponge and it's a really good agent for absorbing extra ammonia naturally. We then added 100 milligrams of molybdenum, and mineral that's needed for the SOUX enzyme to function. And she took Epsom salt baths for about 20 minutes, three times a week. The results were pretty miraculous for her because her skin improved within one week. She was not expecting this to work so quickly because oftentimes natural treatments do take a little time, but her body was just so overloaded with ammonia that these changes just made such a huge difference for her right away. She continued to stay away from these foods while we worked on some B vitamin deficiencies with extra B6 and folate, and after a few months, she was able to add back a few more sulfur foods and not have any skin reactions. She finds that if she keeps her sulfites on the lower end, she's fine. But if she drinks too much wine or has too many fermented foods, she may notice a little bit of a flare-up, so she keeps that in check. And I know it may seem sad that she can't drink much wine, but she can have clear alcohols like vodka and tequila, and has gotten creative with fun ways to mix things and make things like healthy margaritas. Of course, it's helpful to keep alcohol consumption on the lower end for anyone trying to be healthier. So I'm certainly not encouraging you to drink a lot of alcohol, but I also know that we're all human and we have a life. So we found ways that she could still go out with friends and enjoy herself without hurting her skin. If you're dealing with skin issues, take a look at your sulfur consumption and perhaps this could be your answer as well and if this is not your answer skin issues can also be due to things like food sensitivities dairy egg and soy are big culprits or issues in the gut things like parasites or candida and we're going to have lots of episodes on this in the coming weeks so stay tuned if karen sounds like someone you know please share this podcast with them And make sure you subscribe because the next health mystery I uncover could be one you or someone you love is dealing with right now. When it comes to solving your health issues, don't give up. The answers are out there and there is hope. I'm Ina Toppler. Thank you so much for listening and see you next week on Health Mystery Solved. All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational
1: purposes only and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.